The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the dividing asunder of the joints and marrow of the bone. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Wow, what a powerful element the Word of God is. In Romans chapter 6, verse 15, there is a Thanksgiving verse that I want to quote and let us read together before we begin. I want you to understand the greatest thing we can be thankful for today is what God has done for us in the person of His Son, Jesus. That's the greatest gift that I can ever imagine. And if I'm thankful for anything, I want to be thankful for what God gave. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life because God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Romans 6 verse 15 says, What then shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Listen to the 17th verse. But God be thanked. Can anybody say thank God? But God be thanked that ye were, past tense, ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. God be thanked that I used to be, but I am no more. God be thanked that there's a change that's taken place in my heart and in my life. Amen. And that's all because of a great invitation that God gave to every one of us. Turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. We're going to read that, that uh, passage. It's very short there. Jesus is talking about knowing Him and knowing the Father and having relationship. You know, God wants relationship with you. God wants to have communion and fellowship with you. He wants you to know Him, and He wants to know you. He wants to know you like Jesus knows Him. The Bible said Jesus prayed, said, Father, glorify them with the glory we had before the world began. Let them have that glory that you and I share one with another. You and me, I in you, and them in us. Amen. What a trilogy that is. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory, the salvific victory through our Lord Jesus. So we have this already not yet uh, situation going on with us. We're already the children of God, but we're not yet brought into His presence. One day, hallelujah, we're going to be brought into His presence and all the family of God will be gathered together at that time. Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me, all. Come unto me, all that are weary and are heavy laden. Your revised edition would say, weighted down with burdens. Those of you who toil and are depleted 
and you're burdened down, weighted down with burdens. All of you who are overloaded, all of you who are overwhelmed, all of you who are sick, weary, and tired, all of you come to me. Come to me. And I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to minister today. And I ask you that you would give me something of which I'm not worthy. I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit at this moment. We're all here, O oh Lord, your children, paused in your presence, attentive to your voice. Speak to us and help us with our hearts to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. We're your people, we're the people of your hand, and our ears, O oh Lord, spiritual ears are cupped to your voice. Speak to us as only you can through your word. In Jesus' powerful name, amen and amen and amen. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I was reading Forbes just the other day, and there was an article in there that the death of Queen Elizabeth and the coronation of King Charles was the social event of the 21st century. Wow. And that everybody who is anybody received an invitation to go to uh, the coronation and the ball. I know they do a coronation ball at different events in, in England and in Europe. We do an inaugural ball when we have a president to change and all of that kind of stuff. And it's great to have your name on the invitation list. It's kind of a who's who of the haves and the people that are rich and famous. And if you don't get your name on the list, you're insulted and you sulk and you sit and sour because you didn't get an invitation Say, Pastor, how do you know so much about royals? I'm married to Debbie. Debbie is obsessed with the royals. Every day she gives me fresh news about the royals. I know about Meghan Markle. I know about all the babies that they th think that she's had, but she hasn't. Debbie says she's got a pillow under her dress. Debbie says that they've rented children. Hey, when you see her, just ask her. That's a button that you can push, and she'll just go on and on with you about the royals. I could care less about the royals. But this invitation evidently is a big deal to everybody who thinks they should have been invited. Well, I got great news for you. I don't really care about being invited to the coronation ball and don't really care about being invited to the inaugural ball. I just want to make sure that I get that invitation that, that says, come unto me, all of you who are weary, all of you who are heavy laden, that are burdened down with difficulties. I want to make sure I uh, RSVP that one, don't you? Somebody said, what is RSVP? It's a French word. Now, let me see if I can practice my French just a little bit. Responde, c'est la paix. Huh. Did that pretty good, huh? 
It means you need to tell them whether you're going to come or not. It means you respond and let them know you and whoever they sent the invitation to gratefully accept the invitation. Hallelujah. So that's the invitation thing. But God has so graciously invited all of us to share in this salvific effort and this gift he's given to us, an opportunity to be made reconciled unto God, to be the righteousness of God in him. That if we who were enemies received an invitation, that we who weren't worthy received an invitation, we who were nobody from nowhere without any ability to change our status got an invitation to come and be a part of God's program of righteousness. You see, this invitation that we've received, it means that every person, no matter what your status in life, you get an invitation. Smart, I started to say dumb, but illiterate, unlearned, unlettered, well, rich, poor, all of those different metaphorical things that you could use to talk about status. But with God, there is no status. It's if you're lost, He's not willing that you should perish, but that you would come to repentance. If you're lost, then He wants to get an invitation to you and tell you there's something better. There's something you can do. You're, you're not uh, uh, totally depraved. You can come to God. And Jesus said, come unto me, all of you that are laboring and all of you that are under this overwhelming weight and this burden of what am I going to do to get right with God? Now, somehow we believe that that's all physical, but it's not necessarily all physical because what's going on here is a debate between the Pharisees and the scribes and and the Sad more especially the Sadducees, because they had put such a burden upon people that to know God, that you've got to do this and got to keep these laws and you've got to wear this garment and you've got to observe that, that ceremony. You've got, got to go through this process and you've got to memorize this creed. And, oh, it's, it's good. I'll, I'll tell you some more about it a little bit later in the message. But all of these oppressive things, do you remember when Peter and Paul was in the council at Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15? And the real deal was about, are we going to try to make Jews out of Gentiles? Yeah. We're going to demand circumcision. We're going to demand that they observe feast days. We're going to demand that they don't eat meat that was strangled. We're going to demand that they don't eat meat that is corrupted by being offered to idols. We're going to do all of these things and impose these things upon them. And, and Peter said, wait a minute. And Peter didn't have a whole lot of shining moments, but this was one. Sometimes he could just get the talking and his shining moment turned into a, well, you know. But this is one time, brother, he got it right. He said to him, are you guys trying to impose something upon Gentiles that you don't really even do yourself? Are you trying to make life so miserable for them that they really can't do the things that you're saying? And, and what, what's going on here is that there's 
trying so hard to be right with God that they're burdened down with all of these, well, rules and regulations. And Jesus said, you just need to come to me. You just need to forget about all of that and just come to me. You need to realize that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. You need to understand that the, the kingdom of God is, is not about these laws and tassels on your prayer shawl and uh, phylactery on your part. It's not really about all of that. It's about a relationship with God. And Jesus said, just come unto me. Can I tell you that that can only be said by one man, one human being in all the history of the world can say, come unto me. Now, if it wasn't Jesus, you'd be really mad and calling somebody arrogant, self-centered, self-serving, narcissistic. You'd call them every kind of name in the world that had the audacity to tell you that you need to come to me. Well, how does Jesus get away with that? He delivers the good. Because all who come to him find rest and find peace for their soul. That all of those who inquire of him receive forgiveness of sin. And they receive transformation of heart and mind. They receive a healing touch that heals their soul, that heals their spirit, that feeds their inner man, that makes life different for them. That can only be said by Jesus. Anyone else would be so assuming. But for Jesus to say, come to me, it's all right because he makes good on his promise. I'll give you rest. Rest. You know, sometimes being religious is work. Sometimes being religious is work. Did you know the, of the religions of the world, five main ones, there's 12, but of, of the five main ones, they all have this catalog of things that you've got to do. And some way that you recognize them right off. That's a commonality, you might say, that they all abide by. In other words, if you want to be a Buddhist, well, you've got these, these five things that are more philosophical than any, anything else. They, they say, number, number one, you've got to have the right mindset. You've got to have the right worldview. You've got to have the right attitude. You've got to have concentration. You've got to have mind control and meditate. And you've got to cite the creed. And then you'll just be pushed off to a place called nirvana. And you won't be anymore. And you'll just go away. And they say they can do all of these things for you. Life will be so much better. But they can never, ever say, and I will give you rest. If you want to be a Muslim, you can accept Allah as God. If you want to be a Muslim, you can cite the creed. If you want to be a Muslim, you can do those, those things. They fast and they pray certain days. They have other, other things. You've got to make a trip to Mecca once in your life. Go to Mecca. And they've got all of these rules and all of these these things that you've got to do in order to be a, a good Muslim, but they can never say, 
I will give you rest. All the religions of the world, they all have a commonality. They all have a creed. They all have a list of do's and don'ts, and this is the way you identify with us. But none of the religions of the world can tell you, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. You see, when Jesus says, come to me, he's issuing a, a, a promise, issuing a guarantee. This is not an institution. He's not saying come to an institution. He's not even saying come to the church. He's not saying come to some, some creed or some, some dogma or, or, or some ideal or, or something. No, he's saying come to me. You don't have to come to any other person. Come to me. You don't have to come to any institution. Come to me. Just come to the Lord Jesus. He has everything you need. In fact, Colossians says, He is my all in all. That all things, somebody say all things, all things consist by the word of His mouth that He is the express image of God. And in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That Jesus is God's answer to the question, who can set me free? Who can, who can satisfy my soul? Who can bring me peace? You see, in philosophy, there are these questions that you ask. Who can bring me relief in, from my burden? Who, who can bring me fulfillment? And, and who can bring me encouragement? Who, who can bring me peace of mind and rest for my soul? Well, it's sure that philosophy can analyze, but philosophy can never, ever say, I will give you rest. You can have philosophers all around you, and, and I, I read a lot of philosophers because I have to quote them for the papers that I write sometimes. Philosophy is a, a good thing. It's a good analytical tool, but it can never say, I will give you rest. It cannot relieve the, the burdens of, of life. It can only tell you what the matter is. It cannot tell you what to do about it. It can diagnose your emotional trauma. It can diagnose all of the other things that can get wrong with you. There's physical sickness. There's mental sickness. There's emotional sickness. There, there are all kind of burdens. There are emotional burdens. There, are, there are, are physical burdens. There are spiritual burdens. There are all kind of burdens that we carry. And those burdens sometimes will just get so heavy, they'll weight you down. And I want to tell you, there's no medicine. Good as Doc is, he can't get you a medicine that will help you in those spiritual situations because you've got to go to Jesus for that. Jesus is the great physician. He is the Jesus by whose stripes upon his back we're healed. He is the physician who can speak the word and create a, a healing for your body, a healing for your situation. Rest. Did you know that rest is good medicine? Did you know that when you're burdened down with great burdens and great sorrows, that rest is good for you? Did you know sometimes Jesus 
the Bible said, would go to a solitary place. And he said, I'm going there to rest. Sometimes dealing with lepers and sometimes dealing with blind people, sometimes unstopping deaf ears, sometimes going by the pool of Bethesda and reaching down and raising up a paralytic man, sometimes meeting a blind man on the side of the road, sometimes all of that activity and going to the temple and dealing with, with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and, and going through all that stuff hour after hour and day after day, sometime you got to stop. And sometime you got to unplug and rest. Rest. Some of you, Need to leave Facebook alone for a while. Put up your MySpace. Quit tweeting. Quit Skyping. And just rest. Sufficient for you this day is the trouble thereof. Don't create more mess for you to have to deal with. Don't get involved in stuff that's going to require you to just endlessly go on and on and on and on. Do you remember when Jesus said, let us go over to the other side of the lake? And these disciples were so busy in ministry and passing out fragments and making sure this group over here got plenty of fish and loaves and anchovies and crackers and got all that they needed and had everything organized. And they got on the boat and was sailing to the other side. And they were talking about Jesus and Pharisee. Where was Jesus? He was asleep. What? I didn't think God needed to sleep. Brother, when Jesus was made flesh, he dwelt among us, and he hurt like all of us hurt, had the same sorrow, the same kind of trauma, the same things happen to him as a human being that happens to us. The Bible said he experienced every temptation known to man. The Bible said he went through everything just like a human being would do. And the Bible said he was in the hinder, the old authorized version, old King James. It says he was in the hinder part of the ship. And the Bible said the storm came up and the storm got so bad that the disciples were in jeopardy. Their lives were in jeopardy. And they began to wonder, are we going to be lost at sea? Are we going down to a watery grave? And somebody said, we'd better wake up Jesus. We'd better wake up Jesus. Why? Because he's been resting. We've been fretting. He's been resting. We've been doubting. He's been resting. Woo. And the Bible said they went and woke him up. And Jesus walked out of his sleeping place and walked out on the bow of the ship. And he said, oh, ye of little faith. 
the correct way to read the Greek, it said, how did y'all let things deteriorate like this? How in the world did you let it get in this mess? You just heard me teaching. You just heard me preaching that the power of God would do things for you. Call upon God. Believe God. Nothing is impossible with God. You just heard me preaching all that stuff. What in the world did you let things get such a bad shape? If you'd have been somewhere resting instead of somewhere fretting and doubting, then that storm wouldn't have scared the daylights out of you. And Jesus said, and by the way, peace, be still. And the Bible said, and suddenly there was a great calm. Glory to God. Brother, sometimes you need just to unplug. Unplug and take your time with God. Every day you need a day, a time during that day that you and God get together. Amen. There was a precious little sister in the Piedmont church years ago. Her name was Sister Ellen Hall. Sister Ellen Hall couldn't read her name in boxcar letters. But she loved the Bible. And she could quote the Bible. You know why? She had a son named Charlie. And every, every day at a certain time, Charlie got the Bible out and read it to his mother. And as he read it, she couldn't read it. But as he read it, she memorized it. And she would walk around with the Word of God in her heart. If you came to her about something, she'd quote you some scripture about it. Couldn't read it, but she had it in her heart because every day she took time to be with God and to hear the Word of God read. One day next door, a young lady had a young baby, and that baby, she'd found the baby not breathing in the, in the crib. SIDS, is that what they call it? Sudden Infant Death Syndrome? And she grabbed that baby up, and she ran out the door, and she ran next door, and she said to Ellen Hall, she said, Miss Hall, Miss Hall, my baby has quit breathing. And that old blessed warrior took that baby in her arms and said, Lord Jesus, in your name, I pray for this baby. And in Jesus' name, let this life come back to this baby. And suddenly that baby began squirming and screaming his head off. That's because you put the Word of God in your heart. That's because you unplug and you say, I've got something so important that I don't need anything to interfere with what I'm about to do. It's more important for me right now. Now listen, you could go by her house at 9 o'clock in the morning and knock your knuckles raw. She would not come to that door. You could ring that phone off the hook. She would not answer it at 9 o'clock in the morning. Why? Because that was her time 
her time with God. Her time with God. She, she'd say, now, Brother Jared, nobody else has to live like I do. Said, you live like you need to live, and you serve the Lord the way, way you need to serve Him and, and work that out with Him. He and I just reached this arrangement a long time ago, and it works good for both of us, and you don't have to do it. Nobody else has to do it. I'm not saying everybody's got to be like me. I'm just saying that's what I do. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Had an had a, a old professor that, uh, bless his heart, he, he got 92 years old. His name was R.H. Gauls. He was New Testament professor, not assistant professor. He was the professor. Boy, talk about a, a, an apologist. When he was sick, the Bible says, with the sickness whereof he died. He was just about gone. And some of the people from the seminary went by to see him, got, got back to his bedroom where his son took him, Yardeman took them all back there to his bedroom. You know what he was doing? Had a Bible opened in his lap, had a Strong's Concordance over on his side, and had a, a, a Greek synoptic gospel on his right hand. About dead... Wanting to know more about Jesus. About dead, wanting to find out something new about serving Jesus. Ready to pass over. Ready to go to the other side. And out looking for something to study so I can know him better and serve him better. What's up with you? I said, what's up with you? You mean the Word of God can become that strong in somebody's life that they can live in anticipation of that time of getting with Jesus and that time of sharing with the gospel? I want to tell you, when the Word of the Lord means that much to you, when being in a place of worship means that much to you, you'll find a way. I said, you'll find a way. I said, you'll find a way. You see, when something means that much to you, you'll find a way. I want to tell you the Word of God. I show up for devotion time because, hallelujah, I told him I would be there and I like being there. I love it. It's my favorite place to be. Hallelujah. I look forward to it. It was when I was in my prayer time this week that the Lord said to me, Hey, Sunday morning, what are you preaching? I said, I'm going to preach about Thanksgiving, God. He said, I want you to tell people that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to tell people that if they'll come to me, I will give them rest. I'll give them rest. I will give them rest. You see, that come unto me. That invitation. You remember when Jesus stood outside the tomb of Lazarus? And Lazarus had been dead four days. And the sisters said, Jesus, why do you even bother? He's been dead. If you'd have been here, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. 
But it's useless now to pray. It's useless now to go through a ceremony or anything. He's dead. He's gone. Jesus said, if you will only believe, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. He said, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And the Bible said, shortest verse in the Bible, back when we used to have Scripture quoting, Scripture, Scripture scrambles. Mark, you remember Scripture scrambles and family training hour? Here's one you better get first. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Shortest one in the Bible. If you're smart, you'll get that one first because the line won't get back to you for a while. He stood outside the tomb, and the Bible said he wept. He wept. And then the Bible said he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come unto me. Come forth out of that grave. And the Bible said, and Lazarus came walking out of that tomb with his grave clothes on. Jesus said, get them grave clothes off of him. He's resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Get those old dead people clothes off of him. Hey, how in the world shall we who are alive to Christ walk around with dead men's clothes on? If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Throw off those mourning rags. Throw off those uh, garbs of, of despondency and despair and grief. And put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Let there be a shout in the sanctuary. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Let there be a call that goes out from Zion. The Lord omnipotent reigneth. The Lord reigns. Come unto me. Jesus passed by a, a table where a man named Levi was taking taxes, sitting at the seat of custom, the Bible said. And Jesus came by and he said, Come unto me. Come unto me. And the Bible said, And he got up, left the table. And followed him. Jesus said, come on. He said, I'm coming. You remember the Bible tells us about another instance when the disciples were in a, in a boat crossing the sea of Galilee. And, and the Bible said Jesus sent them to the other side. And he said, I'll meet you on the other side. And the Bible said, and they sailed forth, going to the other side. But as they sailed, a euclidon, a storm from the valley of the pigeons, came out. I preached that sermon on the Sea of Galilee on a boat one time. 
Was you with me that time when the rainbow came out while we was preaching? Were you in the boat when the rainbow came up? Lord of mercy. What do you think God was saying? He was saying, yeah, and I'll, I'll cause the storm to calm for you too. That's what that rainbow meant. That, that rainbow was there because God made a, made a promise. He said, I'll never destroy the world with water ever again. Amen. You know why that rainbow come over that boat where I was preaching? It's because God made a promise. He said, just like I did it for those disciples, I'll do it for you. When you're going through the storm and you're going through the, the difficulty and the hurt and the sorrow and the fear and the anxiety, I will calm the storm for you. Can you say thank you, Lord Jesus, for the many times in my life when you've calmed the storm? Has Jesus ever calmed a storm for you? Has he ever said peace be still for you? Has he ever brought you out of something you couldn't get out of? Had Jesus ever done that for you? Oh, every time you see a rainbow, you ought to say, Thank you, God, for the promise. Thank you, God, for the covenant that I have with you. Because your word is true and you cannot fail and you cannot lie. And I'm going to take hold of the promise of God. Hallelujah. Clap your hands for the glory of the Lord. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Come unto me, all of you that are weighted down, overwhelmed, depleted, exhausted, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning. I've got another six pages up there to preach, but I think it's time for somebody who is overwhelmed somebody who is depleted, somebody who is weary, somebody who struggled, and you're tired of being sick and tired. You're tired of struggling. You're tired of wrestling. You're tired of striving. Well, I just come by here today to preach to you and tell you, Jesus said, come unto me. Come unto me. Are you ready to come to Jesus? I said, are you ready to come to Jesus? Come to Jesus. Take my yoke upon you. A yoke is something that weighs people down. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Mine won't weight you down. Mine will lift you up. My yoke won't tear you down. My, my, my yoke will build you up. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, hallelujah. Did you know the day that God has a burden and that burden is light? And that the Bible said, The light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Hey, what's troubling you is working a work. It's making you more experienced. It's making you have more patience. It's making you know and you know her that faith is growing and hope is growing and all those good things that go on in your heart and life. All things. All things. Good things, bad things, happy things, sorrowful things, hurtful things, healing things, all things. Work chemistry what's cooking in your pot praise God chemistry every 
everything is working together. God's working with me. I'm working with God. My faith and God's Word is working together. God's Word and my faith, all things, all the ingredients are here. And God's mixing them all up so that when time comes, everything's going to be good and everything's going to be all right. And God's going to answer prayer and God's going to heal and God's going to save and God's going to bless because all things work together for good to people that love the Lord and are the called according to His purpose. Well, hallelujah, I feel like shouting a little bit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me all over this house. Praise God. All over this house. Don't quit praising. Don't, don't get, I get nervous when you, when you quit praising. Keep on praising. Keep on praising. If there's somebody here this morning that says, I need God to touch me, I want to answer the invitation this morning. I'm going to RSVP the Lord. I want the Lord to know I'm coming. He said, come, I'm coming. <laughs> When Peter said, Lord, if that's you walking on that water up there, then ask me to come to you. And Jesus said, come unto me. Come on out of that boat. Come on out of that safe place. Come on out of that security blanket you got in your lap. Come on out of that place that you've trusted to get you to the other side. Come out of there and come to me. Woo. Come out of that ship where everybody in it is sinking. Come out of that ship where everybody's scared and shaking and wondering what in the world we're going to do. You want to come out of that ship? You want to come over here where I am? Then just get right out of that gun wall and get out on that water and start walking this away. Hallelujah! God was really proud of Peter when Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But God was never more proud of Peter than he was when he stepped over the bow of that boat and began doing something impossible. No doubt somebody said, Peter, get back in this boat, man, you crazy thing. You're going to sink out there in that storm water. And the Bible said when he stopped coming to Jesus, when he interrupted his journey to Jesus, he began to sink. But brother, he had sense enough to pray. He said, Lord, save me. And the Bible said, and Jesus reached down his hand and he picked him up. I said, he picked him up. I said, Jesus stretched his hand out and picked him up. And he put him in the boat in the safe place. Oh, have you ever had Jesus to reach down and take you by the hand and pick you up and tell you, come on over here where I am. Just come to me. Just come to me. Bring all your burdens. Bring all your cares. Bring all your sickness. Bring all your difficulties. Bring all your hurts. Bring all your sorrow. Bring all your pain. Bring all your failures. Bring it all and come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. 
Is there anybody here that would say, I'd like to have that rest? I'd like to have it. Then get out of that aisle and come right down here. I won't keep you long. I just want you to make a move and let the devil know you're coming to Jesus. Anybody coming to Jesus? Anybody in this house coming to Jesus? You don't want to turn him away, I'm telling you that. Come on to Jesus. Come on. Come on to Jesus. Everybody in this house, come on. Come on, on this Thanksgiving weekend, come on to this altar. Blessed God, blessed God, blessed God, blessed God, blessed God. Blessed God, come to Jesus. Bring Him all your burdens. Bring Him all your care. Bring Him all your hurt. Bring Him all your sorrow. Oh. I run to the Father again and again and again. Oh, hallelujah. Just reach out there and put it in his hands right now. Just give it to him. He told you to come. He told me to tell you to come. You've come. Now put it in his hands. Reach out there in your mind's eye. Just see the Lord with his hands extended towards you saying, give that to me. Give that to me. I, d I don't want you to go home. I don't want you to go home with that. Give it to me. I don't want you to live another day with that burden. Just give it to me. I don't want you to go through that anymore. I don't want you to struggle anymore. Just give that to me. Just give that to me. Just give that to me. Oh, would you just give it to God this morning? Come on, folks. You're very close. Just give it to God. You're very close. Would you just give it to God? Would you just give it to God? Would you just give it to God? Would you just give it to Jesus? The Bible said he wants you to give him all of your care. He wants you to cast all of your care upon him. Jesus is our burden bearer and he's saying to us this morning put your care on my shoulders I'll carry your burden I'll carry your pain I'll carry your sickness I'll, I'll carry your burden whatever your problem is put it on my shoulders cast it upon me I care about you and I love you praise your name Jesus thank you Spirit of God thank you Spirit of God Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, Spirit of God. We praise you and worship you today, God. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord.